I suppose you'd like to hear about the, the night, night I killed my father. Dear listeners, we are sorry to inform you of the passing of one of the nation's kingpins of breakfast. Pour out a glass of orange juice this morning, folks. The body of Alfred Block, CEO and founder of Brandco, was found early this morning in his palatial Beverly Hills home. Details regarding his death are sparse, and the authorities are encouraging anyone with pertinent information to come forward immediately. The reclusive millionaire kept a notoriously low profile, with most not knowing the name of the brain behind the grain. You may be more familiar with his products, many of which fill our bowls every morning, such as chunky buckets, panini. Sour porridge. Very small sport cooks. Morning cauliflower. Frosted nuts. Your mama's favorite. Breakfast cubes. Nutrition flakes. Pininos. Oh, wait, we already did that. Granny's brannies. Mint chocolate bunnies. And countless others. Though Block kept appearances to a minimum, he delegated more public responsibilities to his immediate family, all of whom were major stakeholders in the company. Mr. Block is survived by his wife of 27 years, actress Alfreda Block, his son, singer Christian Block, and his daughter, comedian Huberta Block. Our sympathies go out to the Block family during this trying time. Breakfast will never be the same. And it never was. The recordings you just heard were from the morning of June 17, 2020, the day after the murder of breakfast magnate Alfred Block. It is now June 17, 2021, and no new information has been revealed regarding this currently unsolved case. My name is Aaron Winkowski-Gramlick, and I'm here with my brother, Carter Winkowski-Gramlick. I am getting school credit for being here. I had to sign a form. If anyone asks, I am interning for NPR. I needed to borrow his audio equipment. You don't need to get so close to the mic, Aaron. Hey, sorry. (coughs) This is a Blue Yeti, Aaron. It was a Hanukkah present. Uh, All right. With nothing but my wits, my brother, and this Blue Yeti microphone, we will stop at nothing to solve the murder and get justice for Alfred Block. Yeah! Even if it kills us. What? Uh, I would be okay with stopping before then. You know what they say? To scramble an omelet, you have to make a few Wait, eggs. wait, 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 wait. What? See, because we're talking about breakfast, I decided to make an egg. No, no, I get that part, but the expression is to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs. I don't think that's right. The way you said it is redundant. If you're making an omelet, you're obviously making eggs. Also, you said scramble an omelet which is a conflation of two completely different cooking techniques. Are you going to be like this the whole time? Fine, go ahead. Sound stupid on your show. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells with this one. In the days immediately following Alfred's death, bits of information began to trickle out. At first, the only fact that was readily available was that Alfred Block had died in his Beverly Hills McMahon. McMuffin. In his Beverly Hills McMuffin. Carter, stop! Though initial reports suggested that Alfred was murdered, the surviving members of the Block family insisted that it was impossible, given that they were the only people confirmed to be in their home that night. Heard here is the LAPD's official statement on the case. Though rumors regarding Alfred Block's death are rampant, I have interrogated the family and my team and I have scoured the crime scene for evidence. We have concluded that his death was nothing more than a freak accident caused by undetected underlying health conditions. Given that the family has elected not to perform an autopsy, no further information is available. No questions, no questions at this time. This was the only time the death has been addressed publicly in an official capacity. Most would assume that this is an open and shut case. Why would anyone not assume that? Carter, stop. Not everyone assumes that. 
Because so many details of the case have been kept from the public eye, the death of Alfred Bloch has spawned numerous conspiracy theories. A spurned widow seeking vengeance. Eager children hungry for their inheritance. A cover-up by the LAPD. Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Carter, please. This is serious stuff. We are on a quest for justice, with the only information available being that Alfred Bloch had died in his home. We knew that if we were going to have any sort of breakthrough on this case, we would need to get into that house. Using my expertise in sleuthing, I was able to track down the phone number of Alfreda Block. Her phone number is on IMDb Pro, Aaron. Yeah, I got it off of IMDb Pro. Hello? Hello, Alfreda? Mindy, hi. I promise I'm going to return your marimba later this week. I'm just polishing it. No, no, this isn't Mindy. But we are interested in the marimba. Well, then who may I ask is calling? The voice you're hearing belongs to Alfreda Block. Widow of Alfred Block, an actress and Emmy Award attendee. Here she is in her most famous role as fashion model and fishmonger, Rhonda Daxplanian, in the Alaskan set daytime soap opera, The Cold and the Beautiful. Waxman, Waxman, please, oh, I'm begging you, don't get on that dog sled. Rhonda, I love you, but you can't ask a man to choose between his gal and his huskies. <gasps> Waxman, you don't understand. I heard those no-good Breckman boys saying that you were on thin ice. They know you're the only one that can beat Paul Breckman in the Iditarod. If you get on that sled and start a sledding, well, I'm worried they'll... they'll kill you. Well, that's a risk I'm going to have to take. The tundra calls. She continued on the program until the mid-90s, when she became pregnant with her first child and was forced to step away from acting work. Though Elfrida publicly insisted that it was her decision, tabloid magazines at the time reported that her husband pressured her out of the limelight to focus on raising their family. Her only television appearance since was on Celebrity Jeopardy in 2007, where she did so badly she owed them money. Forced out of the role she loved so dearly at her husband's insistence, could this have been gnawing at her so intently that it drove her mad? Drove her to... murder? I don't know, maybe. Carter, stop. That was a rhetorical question. I knew that if we were to make any headway on this case, we would need to gain entrance to their home. My ingenious plot was to pose as a pair of plucky young upstarts from a carpet cleaning company to gain her trust and gain access to her home. We're a pair of plucky young upstarts from squeaky clean floors and carpets whose passion in life is to make your floors and carpets so clean you can eat off of them. Well, I do like to eat off my floors. We're offering a complimentary floor and carpet cleaning to all new customers. Oh. Erin, this is not going to work. Carter, stop. All right. Can you be here today? Better. We can be there today. Oh, that's what you said. Wonderful. I'll see you this afternoon. We were in. And so, we disguised ourselves as squeaky clean floors and carpets, cleverly camouflaged the blue Yeti as an industrial strength vacuum, and made our way to Block Manor. Hello, Dej. Are you from squeaky clean floors and carpets? That's us. Enter, enter. Your arrival could not be more serendipitous. My son, the careless dits, spilled pink lemonade on the shag in the sitting room, I know, and we'll need to attack that before the Saint stretch. Oh, no. Show us to the sitting room right away. Is there more pink lemonade? Oh, naturally. All right. You may drop the act. I know a charade when I see one. What? There is no squeaky clean floors and carpets. We're a startup in our infancy. We have a passion for cleanliness, but lack brand name recognition. 
this is far from the first time I've donned chaps and ten-gallon hats and gone to the rodeo. This is a setup. So there's no pink lemonade. No, we have pink lemonade. That part was true. Nice. Have you any idea how many floor and carpet cleaning businesses have come around here offering complimentary service as a front to snoop around my house? Some. Nineteen. I know a microphone disguised in his industrial strength vacuum when I see one. You're another one of those dreadful podcasts. You could have at least come up with a more creative story. Try opening with a song. Oh, well, I suggested we do an opening number from Thoroughly Modern Millie, but that got shot down. Mm, pity. Yeah. So, you're here about my late husband, I assume? Yes, that's correct. All right. Where would you like to do the interview? I'm sorry? You should be. In the few minutes I've known you, you have betrayed my trust numerous times. Where would you like to do the interview? Hardly the first time I've done one of these. This was a surprising turn of events, to say the least. Elfrida's eagerness to discuss the death of her husband was both appreciated and bizarre. Shall I state my name for the record? Uh, yeah, please. Elfrida Block, widow of the late Alfred Block, mother to Christiane and Huberta Block, and star of stage and screen. Oh, wow, I didn't know you were also a stage actress. Someone hasn't done her research. I played Goody Putnam in the Ramapo College production of The Crucible, but that was, of course, a lifetime ago. Ramapo College? Do you miss performing? My dear child, if you approach life like the world is watching, then anything you do can be a performance. Yes, I miss performing very much. What was it that pulled you away from your acting career? Was it your family? Is that really the question you wish to ask me? Would you like to address the rumors that your husband persuaded you to walk away from your critically acclaimed role in The Cold and the Beautiful? You know, I became an Emmy Award attendee for that performance. Right. As a sheep filler, of course, for Jessica Lang. It was the honor of a lifetime. Right, but what I was wondering. Given my choice, I would never have stepped away from the show, not in a million years. The writers had big plans for me, you know. Rhonda was going to be the first fashion model slash fishmonger on to win the Iditarod. So your husband pressured you into dropping out. That's correct. He made it known that he wanted his children catered to by their mother. My career be damned. And did you hold any resentment towards him for that? Are you asking me if that drove me to murder? (laughs) Don't be daft. I love my family very much. I grew to love aspects of motherhood as well. Cooking for my children has brought me greater joy, given that Alfred didn't enjoy a single dish I prepared for him. Hmm. Uh, why is that? A geezer. His taste buds have always been woefully underdeveloped and incapable of detecting even the most potent of flavors. Interesting. Is there anything else you'd like to ask me? It's almost time for my Tai class. Where were you on the night your husband passed away? Oh, like the rest of my family, I was at home. That night, I had been in my greenhouse. <gasps> no. You garden? Oh, all the time. I grow all kinds of vegetables and herbs in my greenhouse. Something you wouldn't believe. Summer squash? Especially summer squash. Ugh, my summer squash keeps dying off. Maybe we can swap tips? I would love that, Carter. Hey, Carter, stop. You two can swap emails after we wrap up here. Well, darling, according to my watch, it is Tybo O'Clock. I really must be going. Thank you for your time, ma'am. Before we pack up, may I use your restroom? 
This was a clever ruse to gain Snoop around her home without her knowledge. Certainly. Thank you. And before you snoop around my house without my knowledge, I want to let you know that there's nothing you'll find that will be of any interest to you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go through the medicine cabinet. Help yourself. Very well. Uh, Thank you for your time. Talk. And so, with Elfrida out of the picture, we had full, unfettered access to Block Home. Or so we thought. Aaron, look, they have a walk-in pantry. Not now, Carter. There could be incriminating evidence stashed away. Oh, Welch's fruit Carter, shush! Listen, it sounds like someone is singing The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. The voice you are hearing sing The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston belongs to none other than Christian Block, Alfred's only son and former pop star, whose musical ambitions struck a sour chord with the American public. But it wasn't always that way. From a young age, Christian demonstrated strong musical ability, which his father was quick to nurture. At age 15, Christian had released his debut single. It's me, Ellen DeGeneres. So, Christian, we hear you got something big in the works. That's right, Ellen DeGeneres. We're planning a surprise release for Thursday, May 19th at noon. Due to his father's influence and powerful connections, Christian's debut single was an overnight sensation. His debut single, debut single, ranked number one in markets all around the world. Unfortunately, the clock was ticking on poor Christian's time in the spotlight, and a 2017 Dodgers game spelled disaster for the young star on the rise. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming Everything was going fine for Christian until. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting midair. The, the bombs bursting midair. Uh. Until he forgot the words and in a fit of confusion began singing Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Uh, uh, so I put my hands up to play my song, the butterflies fly away. <laughs> Regrettably, one ornery patriot hijacked a t-shirt cannon and fired a tightly packed Dodgers t-shirt straight at Christian's throat. Losing my hips like... <laughs> Irreparably damaging his vocal cords and forcing him into musical obscurity. Even though he has worked tirelessly to reclaim relevancy, he was never able to capture the hearts of the public in the same way he did before his accident. We return now to the Block residence. Wow, he really knows all the words to that song. Hello? Hello? Is someone there? Oh my god! Hello! Oh my goodness, it's, it's finally you! I always dreamed you would come. You know who we are? Yeah, of course I know who you are. You got my tape! Oh my goodness, this is exciting. I have been auditioning for years now, and and here you are. It became apparent rapidly that Christian did not, in fact, know who we were. You are from The Voice! You are from NBC's The Voice! Why else would you have these fancy sound machines? Uh, For years, little Christian's dreamed of his comeback to being a pop superstar. 
Uh, like Tori Vagon, Victorious. You know Victorious? Yes. Mr. Block, please. Year after year, I have been sending tapes of Christian singing, and I hear nothing. But now, I mean, here you are. Like, like Tori Vagon, Victorious would say, I am freaking the freak out right now. Very nice. Thank you. Mr. Block, we are not from The Voice. You what? Oh, oh no. I... We are here to ask you some questions about your father. Ah. Uh. That is less fun. It took some convincing, but we were eventually able to get Christian to sit down for an interview. I promised him I would listen to his demo tape. Please, have a seat. I would like to be on Team Christina. For the last time, we are not here from The Voice. Sorry, buddy. Now, we just have a few basic questions we'd like you to answer. Does that sound okay? Uh, yes. What is your name? Christian Block. Who is your father? Alfred Block. How would you characterize your relationship with your father? Hmm. Um. Hmm. Uh, well, when Christian was a chart-topping child star, uh, he paid me every bit of attention he could. I had the best vocal teachers, a songwriting team, stylist, and, and publicist that money could buy. And he was <laughs> so proud of Christian. And then? And then, uh, uh, when I lost my voice, I was no longer Christian to him. You know, I was, I was very little. No more vocal coaching, uh, no more professional help. If Christian was ever going to get back on top, it would have to be up to me, Christian. But without Daddy's help, it seemed impossible. I, I put singing videos online on Vimeo. Uh, no one watches them. But yeah, you're using Vimeo. Carter, stop! Christian, would you say that your sense of self-worth was tied to your father's approval? That is a probing question. But yes, uh, from then on, he focused very intently on my sister, Huberta, Positioning her to take over the company should something happen to him, you know. She got all of his attention, uh, sent her to very expensive business schools and stuff. Would you say that you were ever jealous of the attention your father was now giving your sister? Yes. Did it make you angry to see him concentrating his spending on her rather than you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And have you ever considered killing your sister to collect on your full inheritance? Whoo, yes. I was asking Christian, thank you. Oh, okay. No, never. Uh, I would never hurt anyone in my family. I love them all very much. Of course. Christian, were you at home on the night of June 17th, 2020? Uh, I was. And where were you? Hmm. Let Christian think. Uh, my mother was in her greenhouse. I was coming downstairs to record a cover of Something Kinda Ooh by the sensational and underappreciated British girl band Girls Aloud. Okay. And your sister? Uh, Huberta was in my father's office. He was yelling at her. Uh, very loud yelling. I, I don't know what about. Yelling? Very loud yelling, like screaming. When I last saw her, she had stepped out of the office and left him alone. When she returned, it had happened, and he was gone. Christian, is your sister home right now? Yeah, uh, you can find her in my father's office. Now, please, leave Christian to his music. Thanks to our very candid conversation with Christian, we had our first lead and primary suspect— Next, we knew we had to sit down with Huberta and get her perspective on the night of her father's death. Huberta? Uh, Huberta? It's Aaron and Carter. Carter, stop! She doesn't know who we are. Oh, wow. A blue yeti. Are you, like, a podcast? That's right, yeah. Well, come in. I suppose you'd like to hear about the night I killed my father. <laughs> Hi guys, this is Erin from the future jumping in to tell you a little bit about our sponsor. 
we don't have a sponsor because this is our first episode. So instead, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Carter for teaching me the premier audio editing software, Audacity. Erin, no one wants to hear the. Okay, okay. To any prospective sponsors, this could be you. Our listeners are a small but mighty crew. Mom and dad. They're small and mighty. Anyway, take it away, me from the past. Did you just say that you killed your father? Yeah, indeedy do. But I was joking when I said it. Huh. In addition to being a wildly successful girl boss, I am also a comedian. Time Out LA described my comedic stylings as relentless. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm like the John Mulaney of this entire room. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Well... Okie dokie. Do you like want to sit down and like talk about death? Uh, yes. We've got a couple of questions to ask you. Yeah, I'm going to stop you right there, girly girl. I don't do questions. I instead will provide you a series of statements. Yes. Um, okay. Yes. Last night I got my foot stuck in the refrigerator door. What? It happens. Anywho, since I was a tot, my father had great expectations for me. In fact, I tried to write an autobiography about that called Great Expectations. Well, turns out there's already a book with that title, so I just shredded the manuscript. Now it lines the bottom of my guinea pig's cage. I'm not actually sure if all of this is relevant. The guinea pigs are called Travis and Nadine. They are extremely cute, but extremely Carter, feral can you make a note to cut this part out? Really I also time. raise free-range guinea pigs in the backyard. We have lost many that way. My father always saw me as the heir to his empire. He kept me by his side in most of his meetings and showed me the ropes. I very badly wanted to make him happy, but he could be a quite difficult man to please. How so? Well, when I was eight, I joined him on the corporate retreat as the keynote speaker. I knew I would be bad at it because I was like, Eight and knew nothing of business and I begged him not to make me do it and he looked at me and he said Huberta you welt you get up on that stage and deliver an inspirational address to the senior stakeholders while downplaying our subpar earnings from the last three quarters or you will go to bed without supper do not disappoint me that's very harsh oh yeah duh because he was my father I wanted to make him happy and be the daughter he imagined me to be But my dreams were elsewhere. A silver maiden called Comedy calls my name with her flowing locks of silver hair and cleft chin. Did you feel like he was holding you back from pursuing your dreams? Of course. Which is why I had to kill him. Okay, what? Joking. I've joked again. (laughs) This is my joking face. Oh, it's nice. Uh huh. Very similar to your normal face. Let me tell you about the night that he died. I was in my father's study with him, and he was saying to me, Huberta, I pay for you to go to very expensive business classes at Ross School of Business in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you continue to disappoint me. And I left the room for 20 minutes, and when I came back in, he was like, dead. Like, slumped over on his desk. And I walked over to him thinking maybe he was, like, joking with me, but no. To this day, I still have no idea what happened. Did your father have any enemies? No, none. Really? Another joke. 
Oh, I do see the joking face now. Very subtle. Quite the cut up you are. Oh, yeah. My Netflix special is dropping in November. (laughs) Another joke. No, I'm serious. Yeah, Erin, she didn't make the joke face. It's called Welcome to the Joke Zone. Great title. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Back to my initial question. Would you say that your father had a lot of enemies? Yeah, many enemies. Kellogg's, General Mills, the 2014 Chicago Cubs, the dental hygienist at our oral surgeons, the vice principal of my high school, several high-ranking officials in the Clinton administration. Mm, I know some jerks from there, too. That's quite an impressive list. But is there anybody that you could think would have been responsible? I mean, plenty wanted him dead, surely, but no. Our house is incredibly secure, and there are cameras strategically placed all over our property. Even inside the house? Yes. And before you ask, they are everywhere except for here in my father's office. So even if someone had murdered him, there would not be video documentation. Do you have, like, any more questions? None. Yes. When did you say your stand-up special drops again? November. I can add you to my email list if you'd like. That would be great. Carter, can you focus? Okay, Okay, yeah. Well, I'll just do it later and stop having so i mean what now you want me to like leave so you can do some snoopy snoop right yeah actually that would be great (sighs) okay well yeah say no more i will be out of your way in just a jiffy your family has been incredibly accommodating of this massive invasion of privacy (laughs) yeah well we're used to it by now used to it how well i mean like Every so often, we get a true crime podcast that comes around hoping to expose some dark secrets about my father's death, that I was responsible, that my brother was responsible, that my mother was responsible, but there's just not much of a story here. I'd understand if you just, like, wanted to pack up and head home now, if you know what's good for you. What? Jokey joke, jokey joke, jokey joke, but seriously, you can head out if you want. Well, I think we'll just take a quick look. Um, how many podcasts would you say have been here before us? Mm, 19. About. And none of them have been released? <laughs> like I said, not much of a story here. But you are welcome to look around. Am I welcome to look around this bar cart? No. Oh. Uh, no. No, no. This bar cart is... This is a very special bar cart. Okay, so how about any of the bourbons on the bar card? Okay, no, 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 very, very special bourbons. Every night after work, my father would come to the study and pour himself a glass of bourbon. He had a deep love for bourbon. I thought your mother told us that he couldn't taste anything. Exactly. Drinking bourbon meat was one of the only things that he could consume that would give him any sensation at all. On this bar cart there are tens of thousands of dollars in dark liquor we keep this bar cart untouched as a tribute to him all right all right and with that i leave you to snoop but don't stick your nose where it doesn't belong or it might get cut off what joking joking all right well bye bye all right carter let's snoop and snoop we did For tireless hours, we snooped. Huberta's words weighed heavily on our minds, and I started to think she might be right. There really was no story, until Carter's thirst began to get the better of him. 
All right, dead father or no dead father, I am never going to get the chance to drink tens of thousands of dollar worth of bourbon. Carter, stop! Don't defile a loving reminder of a beloved dead father. Why don't you just go check that closet? Why don't you go check in that closet? I'm having the bourbon. I've been holding this stupid blue Yeti all day. I deserve a little break. All right, fine. Just only a little, okay? Everything was coming together very neatly. Every member of the family's story lined up. Though they had issues with him, they seemed, by all accounts, to be a loving family who missed their father. Everything made sense, except for one small detail. When we first arrived at Block Manor, Elfrida mentioned to us that 19 podcasts had been to their home in search of answers about her husband's death. When we were speaking to her, Huberta also mentioned that it had been 19 podcasts as well. It's bourbon time, baby! Carter, can you put the bourbon down for a second and help me with this closet? It won't budge. I haven't even taken a sip yet. Carter, just help me open it! I think it's locked. Alright, fine. I'm sure I've got my pocket knife around here somewhere. Even if everything the family said was true, 19 is still a lot of podcasts that have allegedly recorded an episode on Alfred Block's murder. In doing my research for this project, I did not come across a single one. Which made me think... What happened to all of the other podcasters? There. Now, it's bourbon time, baby! All right, let's see what we've got here. Huh. Down That's the hatch. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, that bit my tongue. What is in that? Battery acid? Come, Carter, come here, come take a look at this closet. I am going through something. Carter, you really need to see this. All right, fine. What do you see? Blue Yetis. That's right, Carter. Blue Yetis. 19 Blue Yetis. Knock, knock. <gasps> Elfrida. I'm back from Tybo. Your forearms look very toned. Thank you, Carter. Shame. I'll never get to tell you any of the secrets of my summer squash. Elfrida, we really need to be going. My pets, I think you know we can't let you do that. Why do you have 19 Blue Yetis in a locked closet in the room where your husband died? Seems like we're about to add a 20th. You may want to grab a drink. Way ahead of you.